0: Let's roll, baby. Welcome in a Thursday edition of East Coast Bias. As you can tell by the attire, the boys are back from Los Angeles. We are on the East Coast, freezing our rear ends off, and we are ready every which way to recap Super Wildcard Weekend, to dive into these divisional round matchups. We have an NBA trade right out of the gate. So a loaded show as I welcome in Raheem Palmer, Joe House, John Jastrzemski, fellas. Let's start with the NBA right out of the gate, and then we can get to all the football stuff. Pascal Siakam, the champion from a few years ago with the Toronto Raptors, on the move, joining forces with Tyrese Halliburton, going to the Indiana Pacers. I thought, Raheem, we'd look at Siakam maybe as a guy that would end up in San Antonio. It felt like San Antonio was dying to go and get somebody to go play alongside Wemby. That does not end up being the case. But now Indiana who has been a fun, feel-good, entertaining watch throughout the course of this regular season. A team that played well in the in-season tournament. They go and get themselves a gangly, super-athletic wing that can go and complement Tyrese Halliburton. I like it. Thoughts on a big move here by the Indiana Pacers.
1: I absolutely love the big move for the Indiana Pacers. You got a a guy who two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, can play inside, can play outside, can defend, and you put him next to Tyrese Halliburton and you leverage Halliburton's ability to play off ball. I think this makes them a lot more dangerous. I also like the moves for the Toronto Raptors. You get back Bruce Brown, you get back Kyra Lewis, you get back Jordan Norris, you get back two first-round picks and a 2026 first-round pick. This Toronto Raptors team. This year, they didn't make the same mistake they made when they allowed Kyle Lowry to leave a free agency. They allowed Fred Van Fleet to leave a free agency. You got something back for your key pieces in Pascal Siakam and O.G. Inanobi, so I think they're in a good position moving forward to rebuild.
2: Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. It's really interesting to me that they're this is the all-in move for the Pacers because what they're confronted with is Siakam entitled to a big extension like 250 million bucks this summer but uh you know they they must see something in this team and the interesting thing with the eastern conference is the Knicks made their move so they're on their way up the Sixers have been surprisingly uh effective this season it feels like they still have a move so you have your top two teams with Boston and Milwaukee jockeying between three and five. And we haven't even talked about the Miami heat. They always have something up their sleeves. So good on the Pacers for moving now for getting, you know, what is, is absolutely one of the marquee uh trade uh chips out there. And I think what they gave up was, was fair. I don't feel like they, they overpaid for Siakam and what they're trying to accomplish this year. So I, I like it too, JJ. I think we're all fans of the move.
0: Indiana was going to be a playoff team. I think Indiana, to me, fellas, has increased their likelihood of maybe advancing beyond the first round. So from a ceiling perspective, House, I kind of looked at the Pacers and said, they'll be in the playoffs. They're probably not going to win a round. That was kind of my feeling going into today before this trade went down. Now that the trade has gone down, does this change anything for you in Indiana? Can you see them winning a playoff series with this team?
2: It's kind of impossible to say here in mid-January. And the reason for that, I don't I don't mean to be, you know, hedging or dodging the question, but I need to see the relative health of all of the teams across the board as April arrives, because you know that that will be the 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 prime mover. That positioning in between the three-seed and the six-seed for the teams that we just talked about. Knicks. Pacers, Heat, uh, Sixers, they're all in that, that space. I don't see either Milwaukee or Boston dropping out of the top two, but that seeding is, is, is kind of crucial. Home court advantage, you know, who, who faces who in terms of Milwaukee or Boston? Who do they catch? So I, I could see, you know, this, if Halliburton's healthy, I think the ceiling is very high for this team, as we saw in the play in.
0: Raheem, does this change your feeling on ceiling for Indiana this year?
2: I think it does
1: change their ceiling in some ways. It's tough just because I think the Boston Celtics are the cream of the crop in the East, and I still don't think they have enough to beat them. But when you look at other teams throughout the East, a lot of people thought the Indiana Pacers could beat the Milwaukee Bucks even before the trade. Like, they've given them hell this season. So with Pascal Siakam it just adds another weapon inside. It makes them even tougher. And when you look at the rest of the East, there's no real clear-cut favorite out of everybody else except for Boston. So I think they could make a deep run, but I'm not betting on it right now.
0: Big move by the Indiana Pacers. Transition period, no doubt, for the Toronto Raptors. Like it, like it, like it from an Indiana perspective. Now, guys, we transition ever so seamlessly here on East Coast Bias from the big move that was made in the NBA to now our sights set on the divisional round in the NFL. We'll get to the matchups on Saturday and Sunday momentarily. But this is the first time, boys, we have reunited since our stint in Los Angeles where, house, my Dolphins go quietly into the night, losing in the frigid sub-zero temperatures of Arrowhead Stadium. Raheem's Cowboys as big favorites Go down to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, and what a stunner that was. And then, of course, Raheem, you called his shot. It was like Babe Ruth, Wrigley Field, 1930s, flipping the bat, telling me that the Philadelphia Eagles are Larry Holmes status, and they sure were. They were cooked every which way against Tampa. House, I'm gonna throw this one at you. Because I have my dolphin bias, Raheem has his cowboy bias. Middle of this year the idea that Dallas, Philly, and Miami would all be done and out and finished after round one and teams like Houston and Tampa would still, and Green Bay for that matter, would still be playing in the postseason is just mind-numbing. So I'm going to phrase it to you this way. Who are you the most surprised at talking about round two that we are not going to see? And as far as the team that we are going to see, Who are you the most surprised about, whether it's Houston, Green Bay, or Tampa?
2: So it feels like the easy answer in terms of my surprise going back to that midseason mark is Philadelphia. Because notwithstanding the Super Bowl loser hangover, they still had talent. They still have talent. I shouldn't even use the past tense. They're talented on both sides of the ball. Something happened. Inside that organization, that those of us on the outside looking in could not pick up on, did not pick up on. But they strung together a series of very impressive wins the Bills, the Chiefs, and then they hit a wall that I thought was attributable to the fatigue of the stretch of the schedule that they were in. It turned out not to be fatigue. It turned out they were rotten from the inside, and where we thought. That there might show us a bounce back the Philadelphia Eagles with the three remaining games, two against the Giants and one against the Cardinals let's watch the Eagles get themselves back into shape and go on this run. They stunk, and dream was all over it on on wise guys' uh Sunday. He wore his tampa red and came out and gave it to us uh thankfully i I went into it heavy but the Eagles, to me, are the are the biggest surprise, and and I'm I sit here somewhat, you know, dumbfounded that they're talking about a coaching change. Something inside that organization ain't working. In terms of the surprise team um, that's showing up and showing out, it's got to be Green Bay, right? I mean, just three weeks ago, they made Baker Mayfield look like a Hall of Famer. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles just showed, did the same thing. So Baker Mayfield might yet be a of Famer. What do I know? But the fact that the Packers' defense was able to scheme up against that potent Dallas offense at home, 27 to nothing. Now, some of that had to do with, you know, Dak making mistakes. But look, it takes two to tango. They they read all that they needed to see in terms of the video, the schemes. They prepared uh, effortlessly, and they came out and took care of business. So Packers, my big surprise in terms of who's advanced, and Eagles, my biggest surprise in terms of who's dropping the ball.
1: For me, my biggest surprise is by far, the, by far the Dallas Cowboys, and that's no offense to House with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, when you start you saw early on with the Philadelphia Eagles, they got outgamed by Mac Jones in that first game. They probably should have lost to the Minnesota Vikings. They probably should have lost to the Washington Commanders. So they started off three and one. And, you know, 50-50 close games. And that could have easily been 1-3. and And we're looking at this Eagles team completely different. So it felt like they lucked up to start the year. So I'm not surprised by the Eagles. I felt like this team wasn't that good even to start the year. I would say the Miami Dolphins, but they suffer so many injuries that it felt like they were running on fumes. Now, if this Dolphins team were the same Dolphins team from the beginning of the season, at the end of the season, I, they would be by far the most surprising, but they just weren't. They just were running the fumes. And it's almost amazing that they were even competitive in that Chiefs game. For me, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And I know everybody's going to say that they flame out every single year in the postseason, but things lined up perfectly for them. This is a team that was 8 0 at home, averaging 37 and a half points per game at home on that fast track. And the offense couldn't get going until the second half. I mean, they absolutely. They 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 just stanked in that, in that in that game. It just was absolutely horrible performance by the offense and the defense. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. And one thing I want to say with the, about, about the Philadelphia Eagles, they lost 32-9 in a game in which they had no turnovers. How many times do you watch an NFL game where a team gets blown out and they did not turn the ball over? That tells you how bad this Eagles team was this year.
0: The Eagles, to your point, Dream, have been broken now for quite a while. Dallas, hands down, because... Uh, everything you hit on with Miami is so fair. They're a totally different defense than what they were early in the year. And the fact that they choked up that Tennessee game and they weren't right playing Buffalo in week 18 and they didn't have Waddle, they didn't have Mostert, they didn't have their full complement of defenders and they had to go on the road, it was the perfect narrative of the cold sub-zero frigid temperatures disrupting the motion speed offense of the Dolphins. The Cowboys with a number one offense against a mediocre Packer defense playing the game in their own building with not a whole lot of injuries to account for. And they got absolutely smoked across the board. So it's Dallas in a landslide for me. And then the other way, I understand your point house with the Packers. I guess for me, it's Tampa just because of the idea that Baker Mayfield has looked as terrific as he has looked. Todd Bowles put on a coaching clinic against Nick Sirianni. I never in a million years thought we'd be talking about Todd Bowles, the head coach, not the defensive coordinator, the head coach, out-coaching somebody in a playoff game. And now all of a sudden, Tampa Bay gets ready for the ultimate house money game in Detroit in round number two. And there were a couple of those this week. When we dive into these matchups, there are two teams on Saturday that fit the description of house money, nothing to lose between the Green Bay Packers and the Houston Texans, taking on the two number one seeds, respectively. When we come back, we'll have an idea on who could be more vulnerable in their potential matchup. Is it Baltimore? Is it San Francisco? We just get warmed up. East Coast Bias Boys, we're coming right back. When it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got to win one game at a time. But when you bet the NFL playoffs on FanDuel, one game can mean a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, has all your favorite bets like the money line and spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. So, need to recover after a rough wildcard weekend. Absolutely love the Niners to go lay the SmackDown against the Green Bay Packers. And you want to check out the East Coast Bias Boys have an SGP on the Raven-Texan game. A lot of different ways you can play that. And right now, every day, there's an NFL playoff game. FanDuel is giving all customers a no-sweat same-game parlay. So you might want to ride with those East Coast Bias Boys. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your SGP doesn't win. Just visit FanDuel.com gamblers. If you don't already have an account, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus present in present select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit the ringer.com slash RG. Minimum three leg parlay required. Refund issued is non withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanDuel.com. All right, boys, let's dive into these postseason matchups. We'll go in order. We'll start Saturday at 4.30. The Eastern Texans and C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans going into Baltimore. The number one seed, the soon-to-be MVP for the second time in Lamar Jackson. Baltimore, a -a nine-and-a-half point favorite in the game. Total opened up at 46. It is now down to 43-and-a-half. I'll start with you on this one, House. These teams matched up in the regular season. And and I remember watching the game because it was on my four box. I had Baltimore in my knockout pool. I'm like, rookie quarterback. I think it was week one, if I'm not mistaken. Baltimore won the game. But I I remember watching it saying, wow, CJ Stroud looks pretty good. They don't look overwhelmed. They were in the game. They were competitive in the game. You think that's an advantage for Houston? The idea that, hey... They played this Baltimore team. They've seen this Baltimore team. You think that's going to help them at all come Saturday or you're not buying that?
2: Well, I think it'll help them in the sense that they, they traveled to Baltimore in the first game of the season. And it gives them at least some comfort in terms of the environs and, and what that process feels like. I don't think it really is going to help them in terms of the outcome. The, um, Texans are exactly what you would expect for a young team, a surprise team, four and four on the road, average less than 20 points a game on the road. We watched them go on the road against the Jets and get manhandled. Like, you know, it's exactly what the you would expect out of a team that is like finding its way. They did not face um, across the board very many potent offenses. You will see if you dig into some of the numbers, and we're going to continue to do that here on East Coast Bias as we get prepared for our Wise Guys weekend. We'll get into the numbers, the X's and the O's, but you will see they didn't face a murderer's row of opposing offenses. Um, I like the idea, notwithstanding the rust for Baltimore, Baltimore had a tremendous record of getting out fast in their games this entire season and covering a first-half spread. Um, I don't love laying all those points to C.J. Stroud. But I do like the idea of Baltimore getting out to a lead uh at, at halftime in this one.
1: Yeah, I mean to House's point, you're looking looking at a Baltimore Ravens team, which was 14 and 3 against the spread in the first half. So they've been dominant in the first half all year long. And when you look at this this Houston Texans team, I think one of the issues here is that they're really banged up. I mean, you place Noah Brown in your reserve. You already lost Tank Dell. So you you're relying on an inexperienced group of receivers, and when you look historically on these teams who they get the upset win in in wild card round, they're just 15 and 22 against the spread. That's 41. percent So it's it's kind of a bad spot. It just feels like. The public is going to be on the Houston Texans after what they saw last week. And it feels like this is probably a game in which the Ravens cover. I'm not really too fond of laying nine and a half with the Ravens, but I think taking that first half number with the Ravens, you can find yourself with a good wager. You know, here's
0: my problem with this game. Everything you guys said about Houston is fair. Like they are beat up going into the matchup. They're clearly not as talented Baltimore should be rip-roaring, ready to go, rested, recovered, firing on all cylinders. But that rust factor, Raheem, you know, I can't overlook and I keep thinking about when Baltimore was a number one seed just a couple of years ago, they had the Tennessee Titans come into their building. They were a monstrous favorite in the game. I know they were struggling on fourth down. It was a weird game, but they were rusty. There's no getting around the fact that Baltimore was rusty after having that one seed. Do you think that should come into our mind at all in handicapping this spot and maybe even being a little fearful of that first half number? Just the idea that they could be a little off their game right out of the shoot?
1: I think Baltimore has similar demons as the Dallas Cowboys. So I do think you have to be a little bit skeptical. And that's why I haven't necessarily locked anything in yet because this Baltimore team. They have been questionable in the postseason, and you go back to that Titans game and the the first year they made the postseason with Lamar Jackson, where they were huge favorites. That, actually, they were ten point favorites in that game, similar to this game here. the The Ravens had five hundred yards of offense, and fourth down variants got them. I mean, they could not convert a, a fourth down. They had multiple turnovers. It just felt like they on themselves in that game, and it wouldn't surprise me if they did the same thing here. So I haven't necessarily laid anything on this game. The nine and a half does feel a little steep for full game, especially when you talk about a Ravens team that tends to let teams
0: back into games. Uh, House, go ahead. From a total standpoint, though, 46 all the way down to 43 and a half. I almost feel like that total is kind of factoring in the potential rust factor that could be there with the Baltimore offense. That's the way I kind of read that line movement. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I did.
2: I think it's, it's a combination of that. Plus all the meteorological sleuths out there looking at the weather forecast and saying, well, on Wednesday, you know, or Thursday, I'm going to look at the weather forecast and tell you how it's going to turn out Saturday afternoon. Best of luck with that. The weather forecast does have wind in it. And I think that's been the primary mover 15 to 25 miles an hour in terms of wind. But man, let, let's just let's let's let uh, that sort of come into view Saturday morning so we can really do something with it. I, the, the, the way that I'm going to play our skepticism around um, the Ravens and the potential rust factor, I'm going to play C.J. Stroud, and we're going to have this in the same game parlay. The East Coast biased boys are going to be all over it. 35 and a half pass attempts. Now that feels like a high number, but let me tell you, if you go and look at the number of pass attempts, that teams going up against the Ravens have uh, averaged over the course of the season, second only to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the obvious reason is because teams get behind the Ravens and have to throw the football. CJ Stroud threw the football 44 times. The first time that these guys matched up in, in week one, Now the last two weeks he only had to attempt 21 attempts because they beat the hell out of the Browns and were scoring on defense and 26 attempts the previous week. But I think game script wise, if it's the case even in bad weather that the Brown that the uh, Texans fall behind, it's going to be shorter passes and that you saw some of that last week. So that that's what one of the ways that I'm going to hedge this kind of rust factor idea. I think Houston's going to come out be freewheeling and throwing the ball all over the ball yard. So
0: I like that. And House did a fabulous job of teasing the fact that we will have an East Coast bias, same game parlay on FanDuel for the Ravens and Texans 430. Uh, I'm down with putting CJ Stroud over pass attempts into that particular SGP. Uh, But if we're talking about big time wind, Raheem, that scares me from a Texan standpoint because I know Baltimore is going to have far more success running the football. Lamar Jackson, they're stable running backs. They got a variety of different dudes that they can get involved. Houston, on the other hand, I'm not as sure they're going to be able to run the football with success. Their offense, far more predicated on C.J. Stroud doing his thing. Is that something we should take into account come Saturday?
1: Well, you got to remember that Baltimore's ground game, it did take a hit. They lost Keaton Mitchell for the season. It's a matter of how much you trust Gus Edwards. and. I'm just not sure that Baltimore's run game is going to be as, as great as you say it is. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that. Now with the question I have for house is with you're they're talking about 20, 30 mile per hour winds. Do you expect CJ Stroud to still throw the ball that much? Because it feels like typically when you see that wins on that level, you tend to see them run the ball more.
2: I don't disagree with that proposition. I'll just believe it when I see it with the winds. We've had this uh, ongoing phenomena all season long where all the meteorological sleuths have looked at a weather forecast several days out in advance. The only time it really came home to roost was this past Sunday when there was a blizzard in Buffalo. They forecasted the blizzard, and then there was a blizzard. Now, unfortunately for some of us, we had already gotten wagers in based on those blizzard conditions. And then the game moved to to Monday afternoon, and it was a scoring environment. I mean, you know, the Buffalo Bills got thirty one; it could have been more than that. And and Pittsburgh was live with a backdoor cover looming. I mean, it just came down to Mason Rudolph doing Mason Rudolph things. Otherwise, that that game look was going to jump into the mid fifties. So. Uh, I don't really want to get too oversubscribed to the idea that the weather is going to play a major factor until I wake up Saturday morning and I see what the weather is and I put my thumb up because I'm not that far from Baltimore. I was going to say, that's a
0: home game for you, House. So you can give us the -the up-to-the-minute weather forecast (laughs) being in the (laughs) Beltway District area. So I don't need to talk to any meteorologist or Sam Champion, ABC, or Today Show, whatever the hell they're doing. I'm going to be like, House, what's the forecast? What's going on? Let me know. You got me?
2: Got the thumb up. You you got it. And by the way, look at the Ravens. They played in bad weather occasionally. These passing totals went way, way over. Stafford is a good example of it. Seems like the boys are hesitant to fire on
0: Ravens-Texans. We'll have our SGP for Saturday. We'll be in the lab over the next two days trying to figure that one out. We transition to game two, guys. This is one I'm not hesitant to fire on. This is my favorite bet for the divisional round. I can't stress that enough. The San Francisco 49ers are going to lay a smack down against the Green Bay Packers. They're going to lay a smackdown. I know everybody's got Jordan Love fever. I know everybody's saying, oh, Green Bay, their offense was so terrific. Dallas had no answers. Uh, Green Bay's defense found it and forced a couple of turnovers. San Francisco is going to be tight. I don't see it that way. First of all, San Francisco has owned the Green Bay rivalry. They have Own this rivalry for the last 15 years. You got San Francisco fully recharged. That means McCaffrey. That means Trent Williams. That means Debo Samuel. And I think they are going to unleash that defense. I think they will get after Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love is going to look far more uncertain than what you saw over these last few games. Raheem, I know your Cowboys couldn't get it done against the Packers. I know a lot of people are going to be saying, hey, Green Bay is live in this game. Niner secondary is vulnerable, blah, blah, blah. I don't see it, dude. I'm laying nine and a half. I don't think this line will be nine and a half by kickoff. Niner, Niner, Niner. That's my play. Are you with me?
1: So when you look at the San Francisco 49ers this year, one thing stands out. 11 out of their 12 wins have been by double digits. So when you see the spread at nine and a half, and you see what the Green Bay Packers did to my beloved Dallas Cowboys last week, you shouldn't get scared because this is a team that wins with margin. They either win with margin or they lose outright. So I actually think that you can not only lay the nine and a half, You could also grab an alternate spread with the San Francisco 49ers. I think you could take minus 13 and a half at plus 144. You could take minus 16 and a half at plus 200 because this is a team that wins with margin. And we look at the Green Bay Packers, this is a team that is just 21st in defensive rush success rate. They're 24th in rushing EPA per play. So Christian McCaffrey is going to have a big day on the ground. Debo Samuel, if he gets the rock, he's going to have a big day on the ground. The 49ers are going to be able to score at will in this matchup. So not only do I like the 49ers at nine and a half, I think this is a game where you play the over 50 and a half because there's going to be some points here. And if I look at the other side of the ball with the San Francisco 49ers defense, they can slow down the run. So Aaron Jones is not going to have that big day like he had against the Dallas Cowboys. However, they are a little weak in the secondary and you can find yourself in a position where Jordan Love is in a negative game script and he's going to have to throw his way back into this game. And that lends itself towards an over with a lot of point scores. So I do like the over 50 and a half. And I do like the San Francisco 49ers.
2: Yeah, I don't um, see things any differently than you guys. The way that I think I prefer to play this, it's a super low team total to pick up on Dream's point. The Packers team total is 20 and a half. And I think game script wise, what the Packers showed us in terms of the potency of their offense, I think some of the numbers tied to the 49ers defense are slightly inflated. I think that the uh, Packers offense in the version that exists at this moment, they scored over 30 points in three of these last four games Um, the only game that they didn't was a weather impacted game against the bears that they handled their business and beat the bears by uh, uh, eight points but I think that you know this uh, Packers offense with uh, Aaron Jones leads the NFL in in rushing since he returned to health restored health I just like the idea of points in this one I'm glad dream he made the case for the over. I like that um, notion. So I'm just playing the Packers team total over 20 and a half.
1: And to House's, to House's point, the Packers are 7-1 and one to the over in their last eight games. The 49ers are 5-3 and three to the over.
0: Yeah, I do have points in this game, too. I think the total indicates as such. I think the Niners are going to just completely have their way with the Packer defense. And one thing I like here, too, House, from a Niner perspective the idea that the Green Bay defense is going to be chirping about, hey, if you get pressure on Brock Purdy, but but like the idea of giving San Francisco, who is the far better team in this matchup, is the far more complete team in this matchup, little extra motivation, little extra bulletin board material, sign me up right now. Because, you know, Brock Purdy might have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder from what happened in that Raven game, people disparaging his MVP candidacy, fair. I think that was legitimate after what we saw that game. But I think we're going to get optimal Brock Purdy. I think we're going to get the Brock Purdy we saw a few weeks ago that lit up the Philadelphia Eagles in that primetime game.
2: I don't have any reason to, to argue with, with that. Uh, I do love the idea that we have LaFleur and Shanahan, two co-workers from three different teams before, and Shanahan has been Matty L's daddy. I mean, I think the the the, the Packers he either only won once in the six times or or covered the spread once in the six times. Uh, uh, Shanahan won the last three matchups, won both the times that they face each other in the playoffs. Uh, I, I like that angle to this as well.
0: Okay, boys, who's more likely to win the game? Houston, Green Bay, Raheem. Ooh, this
1: is a tough one. I have to, I, I'm going to go with, the Houston Texans. And the reason why is because if I like Dallas against Green Green Bay, just on a power rating number perspective, I have to like San Francisco because I have San Francisco power rated higher than Dallas. And we know Dallas, they they gave up almost seven yards per rush against the Arizona Cardinals. They can't stop the run. They can't run the ball. Those aren't issues with San Francisco. Aaron Jones will not get off. He will not be the star of the show like he was last week. And that's gonna make things tougher for Jordan Love. Meanwhile, You look at the Baltimore Ravens, they have some playoff demons that they've yet to overcome. C.J. Stroud is looking like the second Patrick Mahomes and being able to overcome any and everything. Doesn't matter if his offensive line is is down. Doesn't matter if he loses receivers. So I think the Houston Texans are pretty alive.
0: I'm right there with you, House. Uh, I think it's a united front. I think Houston, because of Baltimore and the idea that they could be a little tense and tight going into this game, I don't think they're necessarily gonna lose house, but I think they're more ripe for the picking than San Francisco. I'm gonna be stunned if San Francisco loses this game. Stunned.
2: Yeah, I, I'm just gonna do this. I'll get it out of the way right now. Just this is a seven point tee staring you right in the face. Both of these lines at nine and a half, play the seven point tees. Get those both of those guys down to under two under three. Cross off the seven and, and, and the three. Let's go cash some some tickets. I mean that's the way to play this one.
1: I'm scared. I'm not going to lie. I'm scared to death. After I anointed the Dallas Cowboys, the tease of the year, I'm scared to death.
0: <laughs> I understand. We thought the tease of the year spot was the Dallas Cowboys at seven or seven and a half. Oh, my goodness. That's going to haunt me for a long, long time. All right, guys, when we come back, we got the game of the year in the AFC, perhaps. Kansas City and Buffalo. Is it now Buffalo's time? We'll see about that. Plus, is there a reason that maybe one of the teams playing at home should be a little nervous. We, we shall see. I got some thoughts. We got some thoughts on the Lions and the Bucks, and the Chiefs and the Bills when we come back. Sunday Card, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a game that, let's be honest, None of us had on our bingo card for being a postseason matchup back in September. The Lions as six-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And hats off to Detroit. Great start to their game against the Lions in the or against the Rams in the first half. Goff was firing. That offense was firing. Slowed down in the second half. Thought the Rams were going to seize control of the game. Couldn't execute in the red zone. Couldn't execute on the goal line. One point game to give it back, and Guff slammed it right down their throats with the completion and the conversion of St. Brown. So now I expect House, everyone their mother is going to tease the Lions, is going to bet the Lions. That's just the way it is. They're going to be the popular choice. There's no doubt in this game. I think Tampa is absolutely live to cover, and I'll take it a step further. I think Tampa Bay is absolutely live to win the game. I think they got a lot of FU attitude in them. I think the quarterback is not going to be intimidated going in there. And the Detroit secondary is vulnerable. That means big game out of Mike Evans, which we didn't get in the Philly game because he couldn't catch a cold. It's not that he wasn't open. I mean, Bill, poor Simmons had that three and a half and Evans to score a touchdown bet. Evans, stone hands like he was playing in my Royal Oak football games back in the day. I expect Evans to be a lot better. I think Godwin and Otten can make plays. And I just think this game sets up for the perfect nobody believes in a spot. I can't believe I'm talking about Tampa and Detroit and Tampa beating and nobody believes in a spot. How's nobody's taking them this week? Guess what? I will. I'm on Tampa.
2: Well, I am halfway there with you. This is another one where I like the team total of the underdog again, twenty and a half points for Tampa. And I think what they showed us in terms of their vers- versatility on offense all of this comes down to um how healthy is baker mayfield he looked really good he ran the ball a number of times in the first half against the eagles where they needed you know to 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 grab a couple yards his mobility looked good i was worried coming into that eagles game that he was compromised the ribs the ankle all that stuff if that wasn't uh the case and and you hit on it if the, the, the lions have a pass funnel defense they give up between 350 and 450 yards to every offense that they face this tampa offense is legit and they have skill across the board i love the way that they're incorporating rashad white into the passing game they're kind of running the ball using the 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 pass they're not a team that that if you look at their advanced metrics rushing the ball that's going to establish the run and then you know get the the ball moving uh, pass wise. No, they're going to try and own the middle of the football field. They showed us that this. I one of my props for for this past weekend was my guy Godwin over fifty five and a half or fifty six and a half yards. <clears throat> they they own the middle of the football field. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Eagles. Godwin didn't get there because they they just shared the ball. It was Otten. And, and uh, one of their uh, third or fourth receivers, which was totally fine. Um, but I like the idea of Tampa live here. Um, the only thing that gives me any caution is Jared Goff at home inside that dome is really a force to be reckoned with. And he and the Lions really handled the Tampa Blitz very well when they went down to Tampa earlier this year. Uh, Todd Bowles tried to blitz him, and it has been the bugaboo on, on golf that he, that he doesn't like pressure. It's true, but they handled it pretty well in that first game. So that would be the only consideration for me. So this game's interesting
1: just because when I look at the Detroit Lions, to me, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on. And you saw it last week against the Los Angeles Rams. They won 24-23, but that Lions team was out game. In total yards, 425 to 334. In passing yards, 357 to 255. Yards per pass, 9.4 to 8.5. The Rams really dominated that game in the second half. And the only reason they lost that game is because the Rams went 0-3 in the red zone while the Lions went 3-3 of in the red zone. And we all know there were some questionable calls from the officials, the holding penalty that backed the Rams out of, Field goal range, and then the non-call on the pass interference, the, the holding, which pretty much sealed the game for the Lions. So to me, this Lions team isn't what everybody says they are. And if you go back to the last couple of weeks, you go back to that Minnesota Vikings game where Nick Mullins threw for you know almost four hundred yards, and they had those four turnovers. You go back to that Cowboys game where Ceedee Lamb fumbled at the one. To me the opposing team's offenses have almost been suppressed by their own mistakes. And if Tampa Bay doesn't make any mistakes here, they're really live in this game. In that first game, we all know Tampa Bay wasn't the same team that they were now. They were catching three and a half at home. They, they lost 20 to six. Well, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team right now, they are rolling. They've won five out of their last six games, and they get the take on this Lions defense, which can't stop anybody. They're 27th in dropback EPA per play, 25th in dropback success rate. So I'm expecting Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin and Trey Palmer, who wakes up angry every day and, and tweets and, and scores touchdowns to have a field day with this Lions defense. So I like the over in this matchup. I think it's going to be a lot of points. But I also think th- this spread is a little bit too high, and I lean towards the Tampa Bay Buccaneers covering the six and a half.
0: All right, so I like the Bucs. There's no secret there. Raheem, should I win on this? Can I get a seven? Or do I got to fire now? That's tough.
1: That's tough. I-, I haven't heard from too many sharps who, you know, back this game. It feels like the public is going to be all over the Lions. No, there's no doubt. I don't know if you're going to see a seven. That would shock me if you see a seven in this matchup. Because, I mean, I think if you see a seven, it's going to be gone within minutes. But six and a half feels way too high for this matchup, if you ask
0: me. Listen, I'm A-OK, taking a six and a half, running. And I might even throw a little sprinkle. I know it's painful because I like the Lions. They're a fun story. Golf's cool. Campbell's cool. Lions are cool. I just think it's a little too good to be true. I'm leaning towards Tampa. Definitely with the points. And maybe you'll find out on Ring of Wise, guys, I'm going for a dog of the week house style with the Buccaneers outright. When we come back, it's probably the best game of the divisional round, saving the best for last. Chiefs, Bills, right after this. All right, we're saving the best for last. Kansas City and Buffalo. Line open to two and a half. It's gotten to three in some places. Buffalo finally gets the Chiefs at home. Weather, which was a factor for the Bills and their cancellation on Sunday, it might be a factor again. Kansas City, there's no questions about them playing in cold weather. You don't have to ask me that. I saw Mahomes. I saw the Chiefs. They looked a-okay in the sub-zero against the Miami Dolphins. Raheem? I'm starting with you because I know where you're going in this game. There's no secret. There's no beating around the bush. You're taking the Chiefs on the money line, ain't
1: you? I'm not only taking the Chiefs on the money line. I'm taking them plus three. I'm taking them on the money line, and I'm selling points with the Kansas City Chiefs. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs minus two and a half. My motto makes the Buffalo Bills one and a half, 1.8 point favorites in this matchup, but I'm just not buying it. First things first, you look at the Buffalo Bills. They suffered a ton of injuries last week. You had all-pro selection. Tyron Johnson, he left the game last week. The punter got hurt last week. Linebacker, Baelin Specter, c- cornerback Christian Benford got injured. Even your standout linebacker, Terrell Bernard got carted off last week. And this was a defense that we know that they suffered a lot of injuries earlier this year. You lose Matt Milano, who was, was their key star linebacker. You you lose Trey White. And they were just starting to recover from that. And then you suffer a bunch of injuries. And now Mason Rudolph was able to drop the ball down the field. So, look, one thing I want to say is that Patrick Mahomes, as an underdog, we we know the stats, 8-1-1 one, and one against the spread. This is a guy who, if he's an underdog or he's a— a favorite of less than three, you want to back them. It's a positive expected value wager. And if you look at that game earlier this year between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs had that game won if it weren't for an offensive offside penalty. So if you ask me, the Buffalo Bills, they got demons that I don't think they're ever going to be able to overcome after not being able to win a game With 13 seconds left. This reminds me of the Knicks and the Bulls in 93. You look at Patrick Ewing and they're taking on Michael Jordan. The Knicks had won 33 in a row in the garden. And they were up 2-0 and they still couldn't close out Jordan. This is going to be Patrick Mahomes' first role playoff game outside of the Super Bowl, which really doesn't count. And I expect Patrick Mahomes to get it done. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said before, I'm selling points. I'm taking a money line and I'm taking the plus three.
2: JJ, I hate the circumstances here. It sucks. I hate that that Buffalo has two days less rest. I hate all of the injuries that occurred to the Buffalo defense because what I'd really like is to have this matchup where both teams are arriving under the same kind of conditions. This is the matchup that we deserve on paper but Dream hit all the high points. The two ways that I think this game is going to go is Kansas City starving the, the the life out of the game with long uh, ball control kind of drives and Kansas City's defense stifling Buffalo. I the, the, the total is 45 and a half. It's a stunner to me. I absolutely adore the under in this game and I think that, you know, the only thing that would change it is if Kansas City ends up with short field opportunities because Jared Goff feels like he has to force a play and gets, you know, picked off one, once or twice. Um, it's a bummer that we're getting this this Buffalo defense that's really been held together. Again, we I get to use my MacGyver. It's a MacGyver defense. It's duct tape and, and, and a paper clip. And a, and a plastic fork holding it together. But man, they're, they're, they're limping in. And I just think that it sets up perfect for this Kansas City team. I'm so glad that all of us got on that Kansas City Super Bowl future when we did 10 to one. I think it's now down to eight to one or seven to one. We tried to tell all the good people out there. Kansas City is a live opportunity. I'm on Kansas City in the same way as dream. Uh, I also really like the under JJ. I like the under
0: as well. Here's what it boils down to. Who do you trust more? Mahomes or Allen? Mahomes. Coach, who do you trust more? Reed or McDermott? Reed. Landslide. Defense. I trust Kansas City's defense more than any unit in this particular game. And maybe this is my hard talk. And listen, I can't stand either one of these teams. Uh, the idea of either one of them winning the Super Bowl would be insufferable on so many levels. I have that 10-1 to future too. So I'm siding with the boys. Kansas City, Outright, more pain, more anguish, hopefully for my friends in Western New York. We'll come back, wrap it up, Best Bets Divisional Round with the East Coast Fives, boys, right after this. All right, gang, Best Bets time. And how about the Ravens hinting at the possibility that Mark Andrews could be activated for Saturday. And even if he's not activated for Saturday, I think the idea of him returning for the AFC title game is legitimate. It's real. So I throw that out there as a little disclaimer for the best bets of division around How's We start with you. What do we got?
2: Well, we're sitting here staring at the Kansas city chiefs as an underdog. As we sit here right now on the FanDuel sports book, they're a dog of minus two of a plus two and a half points. We've got to take that. Straight through the roof. We're going all the way up to eight and a half with this one. Now, we're only doing six point teas because we don't want to lay all the crazy juice out there. We're going to match it up with the outcome that we think is most likely on Saturday. And that to me is the, the, the San Francisco 49ers taking care of business. We're not going to get south of the, the, the three with this teaser, but let's just tease the Niners down to three and a half. I like uh, a modest six. To 16-point to victory for Green uh, for the for the 49ers. That's fine. Two two-leg teaser, Niners and Chiefs. Well,
1: you guys know what my best bet is. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs plus three, and I'm selling points minus two and a half, and I'm taking the money line. Look, if you go back to that first game and which we'll these two teams played, everybody talks about the Kansas City Chiefs, their offense. They performed better. They had a 48% success rate against the Bills. Meanwhile, the Bills only had a 41% success rate. They also only had a 37% success rate when passing. So that Chiefs defense, which is top five in EPA per play and top five in success rate, held Josh Allen down. I like the Chiefs in this game. If they lose this game, I would be shocked.
0: I'm right there with you, Raheem. It will not be my best bet, though. I'm going to let you... Enjoy that one uh, and flex it every which way. I'm going to the game Saturday night. I think it is a smash spot for the San Francisco 49ers. The Green Bay Packers, you had your moment last week. You had your moment two weeks ago against the Chicago Bears. I got news for you. This is not Chicago reincarnated. This is not Dallas reincarnated. This is the most complete team in the NFL. I think they have a chip on their shoulder. I think they have an ax to grind. They have owned this rivalry every which way. Grab it now before this line hits double digits, which I think it will. It's nine and a half on FanDuel. Give me the Niners to go win by two scores to start off our Saturday night the right way. So there are some bets to take you into your divisional round. I hope everybody enjoys themselves this weekend. For Raheem, for House, JJ signing off. We want to thank all our friends over at FanDuel TV. We want to thank the Wargon Warrior. We'll be back with Wise Guys Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you then. Must be 21 plus in present in select states. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit Fanduel.com/ORG in Colorado, Iowa kentucky michigan new jersey ohio pennsylvania illinois tennessee vermont and virginia call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in arizona 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in connecticut 1-109 within indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one 800 gambler West Virginia or call one 800 4700 wyoming Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.